Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night Podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We're so glad you found us. This is a place where real women share real stories of real hope. Often I get to find guests because of previous guests, and that is the case for our episode tonight. Kathy is here with us, and we're so glad to have you. And I met Kathy through Sandra. So you have to go all the way back and find Sandra's episode to have a little reminder of who she is. And I know that when Sandra reached out to me, she was so excited because she said, <laughs> I, I want to hear Kathy's whole story. <laughs> Oh, so boy. <laughs> I, I think she's uh, anticipating and, and waiting eagerly for this to be published. So Kathy, welcome. Will you please, before we dive into your story, will you introduce yourself to the listeners? Sure. My name is Kathy. I live in Ohio. I'm married. I have four daughters and seven grandchildren. And my husband is a pastor of Calvary Chapel of Lima. I'm excited to be here tonight, Jessica. This is awesome. We're so glad that you could be here. It's always fun to just get to talk with women all around the country and all from different states. I'm trying to remember, I don't think anybody has been on the podcast yet from Ohio. Yay, oh. I'm the first one. <laughs> I think so. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty oh. sure you're my first Ohioan. <laughs> Great. Now I have to go back and listen to all of them to find all of out. Them. Right. <laughs> oh, well, we are going to eventually get to the part of your story of, of where you are now uh, as a happy wife and grandma and mom and, and all of the things. But of course, we have to start at the beginning. So we're going to dive in. And will you start and just tell us a little bit about your childhood and we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, I am one of four children. I'm in my 60s. So I grew up during a time that was totally peace and love. And it was a lot different. Leave it to Beaver was on TV. And I just it seems like a more peaceful time growing up as a kid. But my home was not quite so peaceful. My parents got divorced when I was really young. So my dad ended up taking my oldest brother and my oldest brother went to live with him and that left my older sister and another brother and myself, we stayed with my mother. During the time of growing up with my parents while they were still married, I was probably four or five years old. Um, we used to have this older couple that would come and pick us up, all four of us, and they would take us to church and it was a little a little United Brethren church on an old country road. And I think they had a piano and maybe 20 people at the church. But this older couple was so faithful to pick up these four little kids who had no idea because, our, I mean, my parents weren't saved. They didn't ever go to church. But we learned about God through this little country church. And I was very small, so I didn't really grasp the whole idea of what was what was going on. I just knew that all four of us were together and we were at church and this felt good. This, that was kind of my uh, feeling. But when my parents got divorced and our family got split up, it changed the whole dynamic, the whole outlook that I had. My dad moved to California with my oldest brother, and I didn't really have a relationship with my dad or my older brother. My mom all of a sudden became a, a single mother with three kids at home, and so she had to go to work. So my mom was really busy. My siblings were five years and older than me, so I was the youngest one in the bunch. 
And so when my mom went to work and my older siblings were out doing their thing, I was pretty much left on my own. I didn't really get to have probably a relationship with my dad probably until I was in the eighth grade. And then I started going and spending a week with him him in the summer. And I got to finally meet my dad. He didn't know Jesus. And when I got saved years later, he just thought that was something that I was going through that he wasn't really supportive of it. He just said, well, that's good for you. But, you know, that, that doesn't work for me. I struggled as a young teenager because I had no real direction. Like I said, my mom worked all the time. My dad wasn't in my life. My two older siblings were just out doing their own thing. When I was 13 years old, I came home from school and I noticed that there was a car in the driveway that was not my mom's. And I walked in and my mom was sitting on the couch. She was crying and there was a Marine that was standing in our living room. My brother had joined the Marines. He went to Vietnam. This was back in the late 60s, 68 to be exact. And I came home just from school. I was 13. And there was this Marine standing in our living room. And he had told me that um, my brother was killed in Vietnam and they had let my mom know. And so, of course, that was that was devastating to our family. It kind of kind of brought us together in a, in a difficult way. Uh, we had to prepare for the funeral. And by this time, my dad was living on the other side of Ohio. So it was about four hours that we had to travel for this funeral. And I feel like At that time, I felt like I grew up really fast because my mom, it was very difficult for her losing her son and especially losing her son in a wartime situation, being pulled by a complete stranger, how how it all happened. It was very devastating for my mom. So I feel like I grew up really quick and kind of had to help my mother. My mom changed quite a bit after the death of my brother. I recall that she started not coming home as much. She was uh, drinking alcohol. It was a difficult time for me. So I would have been a sophomore in high school at this time. So I met this boy and at 17 years old, I got married. I think now that I probably did it because I needed to get out of the house. I felt like I'm 14, 15, 16 years old, and I'm doing all the laundry. I'm having to cook my own meals and clean the house. My mom would come in sometimes and sometimes not. I felt like I was in the house by myself. So I ended up getting married and I quit school, which is crazy now that I think about it. But it was my frame of mind during the time. I quit school. I got married. And 13 months later, my oldest daughter was born. So I was young. I was 18 when I had her. And I look at it now and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, what was I doing at 18 years old having a baby? But um, my daughter was such a blessing to me. We lived in a very small house. We only had one car. We didn't have a telephone. And when she was about a year old, she got really sick. Um, My husband was at work. And I didn't know how to get a hold of anybody. She had such a high fever and she was convulsing. And I'm uh, 19 years old and my baby, my daughter is convulsing. Mm. I have no way of getting a hold of anybody. And Mm. Jessica, I cried out to God 
And I, I was calling to the God of my childhood because that's, that's the only one that I knew at that point. And I said, God, I need somebody. I need you. I got to have help here now. And I no sooner, Jessica, got those words out of my mouth and someone knocked on my door. And I, I grabbed my daughter and I ran to the door and here was my brother-in-law and his wife. They had just happened to stop by and I said, you got to get me to the hospital. And so they drove me to the hospital with my daughter. And, wow. you know, they, I look at that as the first, honest goodness, first active miracle I can remember in my life because I had nowhere to turn and I cried out to God, I need you to do something. And he did. He worked that out so quickly. It was like, I didn't even have a chance to say, you know, period at the end of the sentence or exclamation point, And there was help. So at that point, I knew that he was there, mm-hmm. but the man that I married wasn't the person that I thought he was. Mm-hmm. He was an alcoholic and he, he was also uh, abused drugs. He wasn't like that when we got married, but I think he was hanging around the wrong people and he was out of the house a lot. And so I had no connection when, you know, we only had one car. So I didn't really have a phone or connection. We didn't like cell phones. We didn't have those today. So about four years into this marriage, he had an affair and I was devastated. I, I, I was young. I didn't, that lifestyle. I saw my mom drinking the alcohol and I knew growing up, there was no way I was going to have that. I didn't want that for myself. I didn't want that for my marriage. So when he had an affair, it was devastating to me, but by God's grace. And again, I'm bringing God into it, but I didn't know Jesus. Then I didn't know God. I didn't have any relationship, but by God's grace, I forgave him of that and told him, you know, we need to work on this. We can't do this. You know, this, this isn't right. This isn't the way the marriage is supposed to be. And I got pregnant and I had daughter number two, but I had her by myself. I was in the hospital by myself because he was out drinking and had, uh, was having another affair. So this is really personal information. And there's probably a lot of people here that don't even know parts of the the story that I'm sharing, but I'm saying it to give people hope that Mm -hmm. there's, there's so much that can go on early in your life and God can take that and he can use it for his glory. So he, he had an affair after my, our second daughter was born. And I thought at that point that I couldn't forgive the second time. And the marriage became violent. He started becoming abusive. There is no feeling like having to send your daughter next door to have the neighbors call the police when she's like four years old. But that's what happened. I sent a four-year-old next door. She called the police. And then, so I filed for divorce. So that was a big chapter, you know, in my life is, you know, losing, losing control of a situation that I got into mainly because, you know, my life was a mess and I thought getting married and making my own life would be the answer. And I found out that that wasn't it because that was a mess. 
So I went on and I had to get a job because at that point I had two small kids. And so I got a job in a factory in town and the world tends to sneak in and all the things that I thought I didn't want for myself ended up coming into my life like a bull in a china shop. So all of these things that I was critical for my mother about or critical for my ex-husband about for the alcohol and and for the drugs, they came in full force and they kind of took over my life for a couple of years. I got a babysitter every chance that I could on the weekends. The ex-husband got the kids every other weekend. So those were times when my life was on a horrible path. But you know, even looking at it now, when I had to get a babysitter, the babysitter would be a Christian. And the babysitter would always say, I'll always watch your kids, but I'd really like for you to stop doing this. Or why don't you come to church with me? Or I'm here if you want to talk. And at that point, I was just miserable and I didn't have a direction. I just, I I didn't really know what I was chasing. For the first couple of years that I was single, I thought, I don't know what I'm doing. I can't, I, I have to work. I have to raise these kids by myself because their their father was not involved in their life whatsoever. They would go to his house on the weekends and they would come home and they would be filthy and dirty and crying. And they would, it was just a horrible situation. And at two and six years old, when they were going there, they would come home crying and say, I don't want to go there anymore. Of course, that would break my heart that this was their father and they didn't want to go anymore. So we stopped visitation. And it seemed like back in that time, there wasn't any laws that forced people to do a whole lot of anything in those in those times. I mean, child support was next to nothing. It was like 25 a month for the kids. You look at that today and you're thinking, gosh, that won't even buy you a couple Happy Meals at McDonald's. But I will say that in the course of these couple of years where I was drifting and drifting and trying to find whatever it was I was looking for. I went to a bar one night with a girlfriend of mine and I walked in and there was this man sitting at the bar and I looked at my girlfriend and I looked at him and I said, I'm going to marry that man someday. I know it's just flat out of the blue. I don't even know where that came from. But the man that was sitting at the bar was Mike, my husband, my current now husband. He's sitting there and he had just gotten out of the army, spent four years in Germany. He got out on my birthday and he was home that weekend. This was his first weekend home. And I was celebrating my birthday. I was 25. Well, we met. We were not saved. He moved in to my home. And probably within six months of him moving into my home, he came to me one day and he said, I can't do this anymore. He goes, God's telling me this isn't right. And I said, right, God's telling you this. You know, I, I, so I said, what's her name? Because I assumed that if he doesn't want to live with me anymore, it's because he found somebody else. But that wasn't true. God started speaking to him after he moved into my home and said, you need to make this right because this isn't right. This is not what I have for you. 
what I have for you is so much more than this. So six months after he moved in, he moved out. He went uh, back to live with his mom and dad. And we decided if God was speaking to him, then I know this is going to sound crazy. We made a New Year's resolution to go to church. So in January, we started going to church just because God's speaking to him, then we need to find out what God is saying and we better go to church. I was basically calling his bluff. Okay, if God's speaking to you, then we're going to church. So we went to a little uh, United Brethren Church in town and they might've had 50 people there. They had a revival. They had a big tent in their yard and they had a revival speaker come in and they had like this quartet that sang these old hymns and it just sounded amazing. And I got saved and it was in April and we went out to supper one, I don't know, one Sunday afternoon. And I distinctly remember we were sitting in the pizza hut and we were waiting on our pizza. And I told him, so are you going to marry me or what? Because that's how, that's how I proposed, I guess, to him. Yeah. So he said, yeah, let's do. So this was in April. We got married in May. So we had like three weeks to plan this wedding. So it was, it was so quick. It was obviously very low budget. Neither one of us really had two pennies to rub together. We got married and in July, going to the same little church, Mike got saved And the awesome thing about it, Jessica, was that there wasn't even an altar call that day, which was amazing. The pastor was speaking. He got done speaking and he was stepping down off of the stage. And Mike felt so overcome by the Holy Spirit that he just went up to the front at the altar and started crying. And the pastor was kind of dumbfounded at first (laughs) because like I didn't do anything. The other men. Well, anyway, other men went up there and, you know, they were laying hands on him and they were praying with him. And I had no idea that's what was going on. You know, we were standing, we were singing, getting ready to sing the final chorus of whatever. And he goes forward. And our life has never been the same since. Wow. You know, I look at I look at our life, these 40 plus years now of serving. Mike and I've had two additional daughters. He ended up adopting my two older daughters, the, their dad stepped out of their life. He didn't really have any say-so in there. So he signed over his rights and Mike became their father. And we ended up having two additional daughters. So we had a total of four daughters. Everybody likes the kid, Mike, because he had five sisters. So he had five sisters, which prepared him for four daughters. <laughs> Plus yeah. his heart. <laughs> yeah. So We always kid him because we always say, we let you have a boy dog. But anyway, so we became involved in a Baptist church where we live. And uh, Mike became the district Sunday school superintendent. So he was pretty involved in doing that. And, you know, I did like children's ministries and church recording and, and different things like that. But to go any farther in our ministry, the Baptist church Basically, we had a red letter on our foreheads because uh, we were both divorced. He had been divorced too. His situation was very similar to mine. His wife had an affair. They had no children, but he wasn't saved. I wasn't saved. So we were looking at this as though the Lord was bringing all of this in 
together. I see how the, the church in general treats divorced people without even understanding the background or what the Bible says about divorce, the whole thing of being a husband of one wife. So we were red lettered and we weren't allowed to really serve in any capacity other than maybe a Sunday school teacher or they let him be the superintendent of Sunday school. But I don't know, they didn't really go anywhere. There wasn't any really supervision or any, no authority, I guess, is what the word I'm looking for. So some friends of ours invited us to a church in Indiana, and it was a Calvary Chapel church. And this was in the 80s. The Jesus movement, the Jesus revolution, all of that had already taken place in the late 60s, early 70s. So we went to this Calvary Chapel church and they were using guitars and it just totally freaked us out because we were from a Baptist church and we had hymnals and you raised your hand in worship. People are looking at you like, what are they doing? So it was kind of a really strict, limited (laughs) worship. It wasn't like you raise your hands in worship, but they look at you like, oh my goodness, they're getting charismatic. We have to watch them. (laughs) Yeah. But so we went to this Calvary Chapel Church and they had a guitar and they had some drums and it was like the teaching was uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, similar to the way Chuck Smith, when he started out his Calvary Chapel in Costa Mesa, I guess the teaching was what really spoke to us because we had never heard the Bible, had the Bible taught to us like that. We had never heard it taught like that before. So to start out in one chapter and you just go through the chapter and you, you go through the whole Bible that way and you're not stuck on a hobby horse, which a lot of churches today are, you know, get on one particular subject and then they just want to talk about that subject, whether it's money or whatever it is. So we really enjoyed our time at this church. We went up there a couple times just as a getaway for, you know, the weekend. The pastor, we were out to lunch with him one Sunday afternoon, and he goes, you know, I can really see you being a pastor. And of course, Mike, he said, I don't think so. He was working in a factory. I was working in a factory. We were happy in our little little corner of God's world, what we thought he had for us at that time. Several people after that said the same thing. They approached my husband and they said, we just really think that you'd make a great pastor. Have you ever been called? Have you ever thought about becoming one? And of course, Mike would always say no. And we got to praying about it. And his Sunday school class uh, at the church that we were, the Baptist church we were at, was getting really big. Like most of the people at the church were coming into his classroom instead of the classrooms that were really designated for their age group, basically. This didn't make some of the people at the church very happy, unfortunately. Instead of thanking the Lord that their church was growing and being blessed, it saddens me to look back on that portion of our life because my husband is very intelligent and he's very academic and he he can teach wonderfully well. And his class was growing and people were learning and the elders of the church didn't like it. And so I think they kind of, I don't want to say they were out to get him, but they really made it hard on the pastor because the pastor really liked my husband and I. And so we decided to not cause the pastor any problems 
we were probably going to try to start our own fellowship. So we went home and we prayed about it. And the pastor, we loved him to death, he and his wife. And we didn't want to cause any problems there for the pastor. So we prayed about starting a fellowship. And so we did. We backed out of all of our positions that we had at the church. And we decided we're going to start one right in our living room. And if it's just our kids and us and we sing a few worship songs and daddy does some teaching, that's the way it was going to be. Well, we did that one Sunday. And then through the week, we had a couple families that called us and said, we'd like to join you. And so in our living room, we just set up some more chairs and we had um, a couple more families joined us. And we ended up with like 22 people in my living room. And we knew at that point that God was doing something. And we needed to seriously consider the possibility of either renting a room or getting something a little bigger that could possibly, you know, we were trying to look to the future and say, we need something a little bigger that might hold a few more people. So we went to our town. It had a small campground outside of our town and they would hold like wedding receptions. They'd had a big hall, but then they had a smaller room off to the side of it. We approached them and they said, yeah, sure. You can rent that little room for $50 a week. We thought, great, we can afford that. So for $50 a week, we'd go early. And of course, you know, with, with wedding receptions, also comes the uglier side of things, such as the beer cans and the cigarette butts. So we'd have to go early and we'd have to sweep all this up before we could have church, which is definitely a character builder. If you're cleaning up all this mess before you start church, but uh, we did that. We set up folding chairs. We actually got enough people that we graduated to the big room next to us. Our nursery was four eight foot tables on their sides, making a square. That was our nursery in, in one room. We had our babies were in these eight foot tables. You know, they couldn't get out. Obviously, the adults could step over the tables and get in to get their kids, but the kids couldn't get out. <laughs> and I know it was, you know, looking back on it, those were the, the best times ever because, you know, we had a family that had twins. And of course, you know, you got these little twin little girls and they're running around and our kids were starting to get a little bit older. So they'd take nursery duty. And it was just really a neat time. We did worship music by an, an overhead projector. We'd sing without any instruments because nobody knew how to play. Then one guy taught himself how to play the guitar. And so, you know, then we got a guitar and then somebody came that ended up having drums. So then now we had guitars and drums and we were like that church in Indiana. It was a wonderful time. Our faith grew so much. Uh, the Lord just worked out so many details in our lives. My husband was working for a big manufacturing company at the time they decided that they wanted to send him to Chicago. And so we're in the middle of having this fellowship and, and growing. We got pulled away and we ended up in Chicago and we were floundering because we didn't want to be in Chicago, first of all, but this was for his job and had grandchildren here by that time. So we were home every weekend. We didn't want to be there. And we'd cry like babies at night. Lord, please. We were looking for church. We couldn't find a church. So we, when we left, we turned our church over to one of our deacons and he became the pastor. And while we were in Chicago, we would come back every weekend. We were just miserable in Chicago. 
so we prayed and we asked God, basically, bring us back. You know, if it's your will, bring us back. And he did. He actually brought us back to a manufacturing plant here in town. God opened that door for him by allowing him to get the position and not three other people that were highly qualified more than him. God gave him this position. It brought us back into where we're living at now. A couple months after we were here, we had a couple that approached us about starting a new church here. Because when we came back, we went to our old church, but they were already running like a well-oiled machine. They had a pastor. They didn't really need our help for anything. So while we planted that church, it was like we didn't feel like we were useful there anymore. So we were just going and we were sitting in the pew, but we weren't really being used. So when these folks came up to us and said, hey, would you like to start a church? We thought, oh, I don't know if we want to do that, but we'll pray about it. So we ended up praying about it. And the gentleman who who asked us about it said, I have a building that you guys can meet in. And he said, it's yours. If you want to meet in it, we'll get chairs set up. We'll fix it up. We'll put carpet in here because it was an old carpet warehouse. So our first Sunday, we decided, you know, we decided, yes, we're going to do this. The Lord blessed it. We knew that he was in it. And our first Sunday, we had 50 people show up and we're looking at, okay, this is our second church plant. Lord, what are you doing? Is this what you're calling us to do? But in the meantime, we found a building, another building, a church building. It was um, an old Nazarene church building. It had been empty for several years and they let us buy it on land contract. As a matter of fact, two months ago, we just paid the building off. So that was quite a rejoicing time that we've been a church up here now for 18 years. We just celebrated our 18th anniversary in February. During this time, my husband had a vision of having a radio station. He knew that people were hungry for God's word. And there's all kinds of radio stations that you can get Christian music on, but there's not a lot of radio stations that have strictly teaching. So he uh, went to get an attorney. We pursued the FCC license and they said, oh, this could take 10 years. You know, you don't, it's not very often a window comes open that you can get a a radio station. And within 30 days, a window popped open, which didn't surprise us at that time. I mean, the attorney was shocked because he said, this never happens. And we knew that God was in it. So we started WTTPFM and it's in our church right now. And it is 24 hour Bible teaching. And I'd say probably 80% of the teachers that are on it are Calvary Chapel pastors. It's a joy. I'm, I currently do all the programming for the radio station. So that's one of the hats that I wear. I also take care of the sound booth at church. So I edit all of Mike's messages and get them ready for radio. And of course, he also has several podcasts that he does. So I edit those videos and audios as well. And we're about to launch a new podcast called The Spot Report with Mike and Kathy Spaulding. We are going to do it as a team, which I didn't know if I would want to do that or not. I guess I don't know what I would have to contribute. And I know that's me thinking less of myself and I shouldn't do that because there are people that may want to hear what I have to say. So yeah, we're getting ready to launch a new podcast. 
We also have several conferences, large conferences that we do. Uh, We have one coming up in July. We have about 20 speakers that come in from all over the United States. And it is an amazing time of worship and fellowship and teaching and growing. And uh, yeah, so we're gearing up for that. Our life is very busy and rewarding, I guess, all at the same time, I want to say, because I don't want it to sound like, well, you guys are just busy because we've recently retired within the last couple of years, several days a week. We watch our two youngest granddaughters. It's awesome to be able to pour into your grandchildren when you're when you're growing up with your children. Because that's what I felt like I was doing. When my kids were getting older, I was growing up with them. And I felt like I was so busy trying to live and and make a living. And when my kids, my older kids were little, that I didn't get to enjoy them like I do my grandchildren now. Because... I, I can pour into my grandkids now the things that I couldn't or wouldn't or didn't have when my other ones were growing up. You know, our, our three-year-old gets really excited to be able to pray for people that are sick, and that just brings joy to my heart. Third John 1, 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. It also goes for your grandchildren as well. All four of my daughters are saved. They know the Lord. They live for him, their husbands. They're they're trying to raise their kids up to love the Lord. So that's that's kind of my life in a nutshell. When you first said, Oh, can you can you send me something? And I sent this little paragraph and I'm thinking, wow, <laughs> that's I, I sent you probably 10 lines and that's like 60 years worth of stuff right there. And now like <laughs> I'm looking and I'm thinking there's so much more in between those lines of these four little kids that were taken to church by this old couple because my parents weren't interested. I will share one thing though. You know, I told you about my dad and how I, he always said, you know, Hey, that works for you. That's great. My dad got really sick. He had um, a really bad heart and they had him on a vent and my stepmom called me. 10 o'clock at night and said, I think you really need to come and see your dad because I don't really think he's going to make it. And my dad wasn't saved at that point. So we drove four hours. We got to the hospital and at two o'clock in the morning, they actually let us come in to see my dad. He was in ICU. We spent that time with my dad. Of course, he had a vent. He couldn't speak, but I knew I had to tell him one more time about Jesus because I didn't think he was going to make it. And we talked to him. My husband presented the gospel. My dad would shake his foot in answer to the questions because he couldn't speak. And and he accepted Jesus on his deathbed. If you have someone that you love in your life and they, they don't know the Lord and you're praying for them, use every window and every door that God gives you with that person. God is faithful. He is so faithful to answer those prayers. And, you know, the same for my mom. My mom, I told you how with the alcohol and how she was away from home so much, she ended up getting cancer. And the last six months of her life, she really repented of all the ugliness that was in her life. She was regretful. She was sorrowful. And she found the Lord as well. 
And the last six months of her life were totally amazing. And I know that when I die, I'm going to see her. So I'll see her. I'll see my dad in heaven, my oldest brother that got killed in Vietnam. Also, my other brother, he died at 39. He had had pneumonia, but he also knew the Lord. So I know that God has watched over my family, even though they have split. He's going to bring us all back together when we get to heaven. So I think that's about the end of my life story as I know it. (laughs) Tomorrow could change. (laughs) No kidding. And Well, now I have the classic hymn in my head playing of when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. (laughs) Amen. Amen. You got it. That's awesome. And all of that rejoicing goes all the way back to the beginning of your story where there was someone willing to reach out to the four kids. Yes. To just be there and plant that yes. seed. And you just think, yeah. oh my gosh, this conversation came up once in a in an episode a while back where we kind of talked about how it's really cool to go onto ancestry.com or things like that and sort of find your, yes. your, your family tree and this lineage and where it all started and how neat it's going to be someday to find that spiritual family tree. Yes. Um, oh, this person oh said this and that planted that seed. Well, fast forward X amount of years, then that seed got watered. And then, oh, look at what happened. And then you and your husband, and then my goodness, a complete 180 for both of you from your life. Yes. And then yes. And your kids and then your grandkids and then these church plants and then a podcast and, and a radio station. <laughs> and it, it it's incredible. goes on and on and on. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for going back through all those decades, reliving your life story. Like you said, there's so many pieces. You you can't fit it all into one episode, but I'm so grateful for women who are willing to share the hard and the raw and the ugly because so many listeners are living that right now. Yes. Or they have in the past and they've still got those kind of open wounds from them. And this podcast serves for a couple of purposes. And one of them is that to let every woman out there know you are not alone. You are not alone in your story. You are not the only one that has that story and Mm -hmm. you are not forgotten. And the other purpose is no matter what your story is, no matter how dark or ugly or traumatic or tragic, there is hope. I do want to mention because your story did touch on abuse, I want to make sure that every listener catches this just in case ladies have tuned in that maybe haven't heard mm-hmm. some of the other episodes in in the past. We've certainly had the topic of abuse on several episodes on this podcast, and we want you to know that Calvary Mac has a, a ministry partner with a group called ARMS, Abuse Recovery Ministry Services. We'll include their website and phone number in the episode notes, because if that is your story, we want to make sure that you have those resources uh, available to you, that you can get help and healing. So Kathy, as we close, I was hoping to ask you to pray for the listeners, for That's everyone really- who's tuning in and offer them a little bit of that hope as well. Absolutely. So our most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now and we are truly, truly thankful, Lord, that you have watched over each portion of our lives. 
Father, that you touch us when we don't even know that we're being touched. And so, Father, I pray for anyone who's listening today that maybe doesn't feel any hope, that they don't feel the love. Father, I pray that you would just touch them, Father, that you would change their hearts, change their minds, that you would open their eyes, that you would open their ears. Father, that you would draw them to yourself. Father, I'm so thankful for this podcast, for Jessica, and for all the work that she does to make this possible for other women, Lord, who are able to hear and, and be encouraged by the different stories that they're that they're being told. Father, I am so grateful for all the, the goodness and the mercy and the grace that you've given to me. But Lord, I also know that you extend it to each one of these listeners. So Father, I pray that if they're listening today, and they don't know you, and they're just searching for something, Father, draw them to yourself today. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your son, for dying on the cross for our sins, Lord, and for loving us enough to draw us, Lord. So we just thank you, Lord, and we we pray for Jessica and for her family, Lord, and and for their church, Lord, for, for having an outreach to those who are suffering from abuse or for anything that's going on like that. Lord, I thank you for this ministry. I thank you for Jessica, Lord. I pray for her. I pray for her family. I pray that you would just draw them, Lord. Give them your good gifts. And Father, we just thank you. And we love you and we praise your name. And we just pray in the name of mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 (laughs) Thank you again so much, Kathy. And you, you know, you mentioned some podcasts and things as well. And as always, ladies, we will have those links in the episode notes. So if you want to get connected with Kathy and her husband in some way, um, whether you live nearby or you're you're far off, but you'd like to hear a little bit more, we'll have those available for you as well. Thank awesome. you so much for tuning into this story. Uh, if you are a regular, we're so glad you stuck with us. And if you're new, we hope you stick around and come back next time for our next story. Good night, y'all. The Story Night Podcast, a ministry of Calvary Mac. For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com slash women. Women.